Hey everyone, welcome to the Made For More podcast, an exclusive podcast where we talk about being disciples and making disciples. I'm Michael Steiner, Vice President for Innovation here at Southeastern University. I'll be your host for this exclusive show, and I'm so excited to dive into the context of this incredible book. And here with me, we have the authors of the book, Made For More, Dr. Kent Engel and Steve Saccone. Dr. Kent Engel serves as the president for Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. He's the author of many leadership books including Framework Leadership and Nine Disciplines of Enduring Leadership. He's also a frequent columnist for Fox News, Newsmax, Influence Magazine, Forbes. You can check him out all over the place. And we also have Steve Saccone, who's a pioneer in the field of leadership development, who has served and partnered with churches nationwide for more than two decades. You're also an author in your own right, uh, creating various leadership programs and books, including Relational Intelligence and Talking About God, Honest Conversations About Spirituality. And the two of you together put together this amazing book, Made for More. And this podcast is diving into what this book is about, the different concepts and the principles there. I'm excited to have this conversation with the both of you over the over the next couple of weeks. Tell me a little bit about what, what motivated you. And I'll start with you, Dr. Engel. What motivated you guys to write this book today? Well, I, I can tell you, we both have uh, an incredible passion to help people find God, to know God, to experience a relationship with Him, but also to experience genuine, authentic transformation. Uh, you know, God has given us life um, and, you know, he believes in stewardship. We want to be a good steward of our life. And, and uh, I've always believed, you know, truth is, 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 you know, many Christians settle for something far less than this in their, in their journey with God. And truth is so important to be able to apply to your life, to see growth, to see change, to see transformation. And the goal for all of us should be to experience, I think, this kind of genuine, uh, authentic uh, change in our lives, discover that, yeah, man, we are made for more, so much more than we could ever imagine or dream about. And to me, this book is sort of a kind of a playbook or really a roadmap uh, for those who are longing to find meaning, to find purpose, to really discover their design. It makes you ask questions like, how do I spend most of my time? What are my core values in in, in my life? And who do I want to be? And, and why am I here? Uh, but we know God does have a plan and purpose, and we want everyone to find that. I remember if you were part of the uh, Southeastern community for a while, Made for More was our word of the year during COVID, yes, 2020, right. right at the end of COVID. And I think that was part of the inspiration, a lot of the principles we discovered, but what a powerful message during that time, right, for our students where everything was crazy, disheveled, but the word that God said that we were made for more than this circumstance. And Steve, you know, it was about that time we started talking about that book. Tell us a little bit about some of the inspiration that you brought as we were revamping this. Yeah, the Made for More theme carries on, I guess. Yeah. And as you said, people, people long for meaning. They long to find purpose. They're, they're searching for, for something. They may not know what they're searching for. And I think our heart in writing this book is the belief and the value that God has a dream and a design for your life. And he wants you to find it. He's not trying to hide it. And so what uh, Ken and I are doing in this book and have a passion for is to help people kind of gain a pathway, or as you said, a roadmap to discovering really how do I find that dream that God has? And how do I uh, align my life with the design uh, that God has for my life? And it's interesting because when people think of Jesus, they often think he came along uh, into this world and calls us simply to believe, which is a really important thing. But not only does he call us to believe, uh, he believes in us and he believes in our readers. And we want to help our readers 
experience that and know and be reminded that uh, that God believes in them, in their potential to change, and in their potential to bring change in the world. And I love uh, I love the the phrase or the sentence that Paul says to his protege, Timothy, uh, in the scriptures, he says, I want you to take hold of life that is truly life indeed. And I think that's our heart in this book. It's like, we're trying to help people take hold of that life that Jesus really offers them and experience the transformation right. uh, that that awaits them. Yeah. And so much of what we do here at Southeastern University, which we all get to be part of it, is helping our students discover this design, this, this life that God has for them and put it out there. And we've done so many different things, right? All of our different academic programs and experiences, our networks. And what I love is the way that you guys think about structure, how it's not just a, an idea, but we can actually give you practical steps. So tell us a little bit about Kent, the the how what leaders can expect from this book as they're going through it and learning what this greater life is for yeah. themselves. Well, I, I've only always been a systems thinker and always love to develop frameworks that help me to be the best that I can be. Uh, if you want to bring your best self to the context, you have to create a framework that helps you to learn, discover, grow. Um, and, and I always talk about the phrase, you know, um, you need to always ask yourself, how am I building a map to a place I've never been before? Because if you are going to be transformed and changed and grow and be discipled to discover what you're made for, uh, you have to you have to be disciplined. You have to have a framework that gets you there. Uh, so that's what this book is all about. And, and I can tell you that uh, if you'll just carve out you know what, 15, 16, 20 minutes a day, uh, I think you're going to see uh, how you can begin to create a system that will help you to grow. Uh, as you do, you'll make a focus commitment, I think, um, in terms of understanding what discipleship is all about in your life in terms of stewardship. But there are six chapters. Each chapter has seven sections with one reading per day. So each day has a different focus, but the whole week will have a, a focus on really kind of the same theme. Our hope is that the book won't just be something you read and, you know, forget about, you know, six months later. And, uh, but that's something that you can take a deep dive for six weeks, allow truth, allow insight uh, from the book to really begin to permeate every aspect of your life. Um, and not only that, but we encourage people to read through the book with others. Uh, I think this is a great relational tool, uh, small groups, um, uh, whatever you can do to relationally connect through discipleship uh, and and meet together, you know, maybe meet together on, on uh, day five of each week, or you just create a time where you can uh, just have what I would call maybe a community day, mm -hmm. you know, in the kind of communities that you're trying to build and establish, come alongside, disciple. Um, I think this will be a great tool for that. Yep, yep. So if you're listening to this right now and you are hunting for the next book for your Bible study group project, I know I'm part of a weekly men's Bible study. We're always looking for, for great material, so let's put it on there. Um, so tell us a little bit more, Steve, how if we're working together, what can we expect as we're reading out of this book? Yeah, I think Ken and I both talk about intentionality. And so mm -hmm. along the lines of the structure, uh, really, our hope is that we would go on a journey with the reader. Mm -hmm. So each day you have a reading, right? You're carving out 15 to 20 minutes. You know, day one is about preparation. You're preparing the heart. You're getting into the topic. Day two is about study and kind of meditation. So you take a deeper dive into the scriptures. And then day three uh, talks about change. What mm -hmm. needs to change in your life? Day four is about action. There's always something you have to do. You have to apply. We're talking about transformation. So it's not just about gaining knowledge. It's about doing something with it. Uh, and then day five, as you said, is about community. We want people to not just read this book alone, to go through it with other people. Uh, and then day six is about focus. And day seven is a day to rest, where you rest in the truth 
uh, or, or, or center yourself in what God is really saying to you or doing in you. So we structured it that way. Not everyone maybe is wired that way, but um, what we don't want is, you know, I've read books before and it's like, yeah. read a chapter one right. week yeah. and then two months later I pick it up again. And I know that's part of life, but our hope is that, that people would deep dive for six weeks. We think that's the most valuable way uh, to engage this process with this book and this material. And we think and we believe that uh, the person will be changed, really the group that they go with it through uh, will be changed uh, by the end of it and really through it. Love it. So Ken, I'm presenting this book to, you know, my small group leader, my church. I want them to do it. What's the one thing, what's the ultimate thing that I want them to know that's the most important thing about this book? Well, first and foremost, uh, I want you to know that God created you. So, um, you know, he says that Ephesians 2.10, you're a masterpiece. And so when you understand when somebody creates you, they know what you need and how to grow and develop in a way that will allow you to be ultimately used uh, and have significance and have value in life. And one thing I want people to take away from this book is that when you know you are uniquely created, then you also understand as a human, God always will take what he creates, unqualified, imperfect, sometimes flawed as a human, to be living examples of what Christ can be, what, what Christ in you can cause you to become, mm-hmm. how he will transform you and shape you. He looks for those who are broken, but who are humbly seeking to be restored, be renewed, be transformed, so that, again, ultimately you can accomplish the design, the purpose that he created you for. And he wants to use those people who are definitely being changed by him, mm-hmm. definitely um, wanting to be ultimately what God has. And and he wants to use those people who uh, will bring change in other people's lives as well, not just your own, but that you have this heart and desire and drive to come alongside people he puts in your pathway to be encouragement uh, to them and to challenge them and to uh, come alongside in the areas that, you know, they could significantly value uh, in terms of their growth. So we must remember that we're made in his image to find a purpose, to do good works and uh, spread, uh, you know, what Jesus is all about. And I think one of the most significant things from the book is kind of wrapped up in the word essentials. So what people will discover as they go through this process is they'll, they'll discover the essentials of life with God. Right. For, for instance, how do you move from being a, a person who's broken to becoming a whole disciple? And we, we paint that picture. We help people understand that. We help people go deeper in that journey where you can become a growing, healthy, whole person. And I think all of us long for that. All of us need that. And, and the other aspect of the book that is essential, maybe another example is, you know, in spiritual terms, it's the gospel of grace Mm -hmm. that is offered to us. And so many times all of us have to face this. It's like, this isn't about performing for God or earning something from God. It begins with grace, but we're not only saved by grace, we also live by grace. So we walk in that grace every day. So our our hope is that that people will discover that's an essential part of life and spirituality, Mm -hmm. uh, following Jesus. And and by uh, halfway through the experience, or at least by the end, they'll, they'll know the grace of God deeper. They'll know what's essential for their journey with God. They'll experience transformation and become whole uh, more and more along the way. It reminds me, uh, I can't remember his name, but there was a famous football coach that always started every single season by pulling all the guys together, having the big meeting, and he'd hold up a football and go, gentlemen, this is a football. 
Yes, I think right. it was Vince Lombardi. Lombardi. Was that yeah. Vince Lombardi? Yeah, okay, Vince Lombardi. Right? I couldn't. Hey, there's a lot of big famous <laughs> ones, right? I, this is a football, right? It's that foundations. Yeah. These people yep. that have given their lives, but never forgetting right. the what the basics yep. are, where we need to go, and that's what I love about this book. And you really dive into that in chapter one. So when you get to chapter one, you really set this foundation. This this is the football. Tell us a little bit about that foundation you guys set in chapter one. Okay, so here's how I'll explain it. I'm a big fan of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, maybe you guys are too. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. But not too long ago, they they started doing these mini series. Some of them are good, better you're than right, others, right. you know. Yeah. But one that my son uh, and I watched was The Mandalorian. We really mm-hmm. were into that. Of course, yeah. uh, Baby Yoda is yep. in that one. <laughs> so yeah, infamous. I know that's not his real name, but Baby Yoda. Instant cultural icon. Instant cultural icon. Yeah. You see him yeah. everywhere. Yes. <laughs> But it's uh, interesting, in each episode, you have the Mandalorian, who's from the planet of Mandalore. They call him Mando. He's the main character. And they have this phrase that they say to each other, and they say this. They say, this is the way, right? Mm. So if they have a decision to make or there's a battle they're going into, they say, this is the way. And then other Mandalorians that are there respond with, this is the way. Mm. And in essence, what they are saying is, is this is our code of ethics. This Mm. is our values. This is what we're devoting ourselves to. No matter what it costs, it might not be popular. It might be countercultural. And I bring that up to say, this is what we're talking about at the Mm. foundation that Jesus said, when he said, follow me, he said, this is the way, this is the way to follow God. This is how you do it. This is what we're devoting ourselves to. And part of what is going on in, in modern culture and in, you could say, modern Christianity, we believe is there's a, there's a gap. Mm. So you can be a Christian, but not be a disciple, right? right? Meaning in these terms, it's like, you're not really following in the way of Jesus. You might believe, um, you might be convinced, but you're not committed and you're not following. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we take our reader back right from the very first chapter into the first century when Jesus said, come follow me. Mm -hmm. And we take our reader into that discipleship culture in Galilee and say, what was Jesus really saying? When he said, this is the way, this is the way I want you to follow. I'm inviting you into this. I'm not just saying, believe in me, although I am saying that, but it's more than that. And we want people to discover that. And that's the foundation of the book. Yeah. And, and to go along with what, what Steve said, I mean, there can be some tension uh, when we think about what it means to yep. follow Christ and to, to be a, a Christian. The tension is this. I mean, you can be a Christian and not follow in the way of Jesus. Um, right. uh, in other words, you can be a believer in Christ. You can believe that he died for your sins and that he rose from the dead so uh, that, that you can be forgiven uh, and enjoy life and eternal life, be secure. But you can be baptized and believe in, in the Christian doctrine, but you can doctrine, but you can still, you know, fail to be truly following him in a discipleship way. In the first century, believers in Christ refer to themselves as followers of the way. Uh, You go to Acts chapter 24 and I love what, what Paul talks about there. Paul has been arrested, and or what, what it's describing about Paul. Paul's been arrested, and he says, I'm not guilty of all these things you're saying, except one thing. If I'm guilty of anything, I admit that I'm guilty of being a follower of the way. Uh, and this is how they identified themselves. Through the, and you read the whole book of, of Acts. There's a, in fact, there's a Greek word we translate the way, and it literally means a teaching in the most comprehensive sense. Uh, another definition is a whole way of life, how you do life day after day after day. And for those earlier uh, Christ followers, it was not just a belief to get into heaven. It was, it was the way of life that impacted every single area um, 
of their life on earth. And to follow the way was following a way of doing things, a way of living, um, they, a way that really resembled who Jesus was. I mean, you're you're really a perpetuation of who Jesus is, is what it's all about. Um, and it was a way of being, doing, serving, loving, and, and becoming. And I think this idea of, of following Jesus in our day has become, so often it's kind of become cliche. Mm. Uh, and, and we're probably all a little guilty of this, but sometimes we reduce the idea of following Jesus just to a set of beliefs, and yeah. that's all it is. Uh, being a Christian in our day is more about a... A personal belief statement than a personal mission statement. And we often talk uh, more about what we believe than talk about how we live. How does it translate? You know, we can, we can shoot facts all we want, but how do those facts really apply, that truth really apply to my life in an everyday way that I live? Um, and uh, you've got to be committed to it. And that's why it's so important to build a system, uh, to build a framework that just helps you to be consistent and stay true to what it means to uh, know Jesus and, and, and be transformed by his yeah, presence. And even to that idea of we can be convinced of something but not committed. I mean, we know how this works in real life. I mean, all of us would probably say we we're convinced it's good and right to eat healthy or right. maybe yep. to exercise or to floss our teeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but are we committed to those things? Right. right. When we see the cheeseburger and fries on the menu, we want it. Right. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, we're convinced we should eat broccoli, but we want the cheeseburger. Right. Or um, or when we're when we're convinced of, of sleep. Right. We want more sleep like you and your mm-hmm. young yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's hard to, to get that. Yeah. And and you're you're convinced, but you're not necessarily committed. Yep. You're probably committed yeah. with your kids. You just can't do it. But, right. um, but then, but then Netflix asks you, "Are you still watching?" Right? Because right. you fell asleep. You know. Um, but but in the idea of if of Christianity, it's like following Jesus. Are you just convinced? Maybe maybe you believe, or are you really committed to the way of Jesus? To following in the way? To taking yeah. hold of life that's really life indeed yeah. that that Jesus offers. So this whole idea of, of following even, I mean, it's interesting in, in the backdrop of our culture, mm-hmm. it can sort of be like a fluid word. I mean, right. we use, um, you know, you follow a celebrity or an athlete or you unfollow right. <laughs> right. Right. somebody, yeah. um, but it's this fluid word. And when Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't, it wasn't fluid at all. Mm. He was calling people to something really tangible, really literal, really concrete. He was calling them to devotion to something that that he meant to be all-consuming, that right. to follow Jesus was an all-consuming reality that pervaded every aspect of your life. Yeah, and I, I, it reminds me of this quote from from uh, Henry Nouwen, I think is the living reminder, is the, is the book, but he talked about, uh, and I'm butchering, this is more of a paraphrase, but the, the, the worst thing that can happen to a Christian or the greatest threat to our Christian walk is not that we would come to hate Jesus, hate the church, become this raging atheist, but that we would just forget about the encounter that we had, the love that we had at the beginning, that forgetfulness, right? All of life. And I think so many Christians, right, we, we end up on this journey and things happen where we were excited. And then all of a sudden we, we forget, we forget these basics. We forget this foundations. And there's a, there's a, a great quote on the long lines where it says that somewhere along the way from the book that you guys wrote somewhere along the way, we have mistakenly made it acceptable in the church to be a Christian, but not a disciple. And it's because we forget. Get about that. So, so 
Tell us a little bit more. What is it to recapture that? What are some of these foundations that we're going to teach people as far as remembering what that actually means to be a disciple and making it all consuming in our lives? Yeah, I mean, it goes once again back to the first century, I think, is where it begins, because the culture that Jesus stepped into, he, he on one hand, embraced, he became a rabbi, yeah. and he was Savior and the risen Christ and, and lots of different labels and t- things and names, but, but he was a rabbi, he was a teacher, and he stepped into this culture and embraced a lot of what was true in rabbinical culture back then, that they had students or apprentices or, or, you know, you could call them different things. And Jesus stepped into that culture and embraced some of that, but he also flipped some of it on its head yeah. as he sort of tended to do. And in first century discipleship, when we really look at that, honestly, I think for modern Christians, that can be a little unsettling when you truly understand what, what he's really doing and what he's really saying. And I mean, the devotion level that he called people to uh, was was remarkable. And mm-hmm. it's like uh, what I know Kent and I's heartbeat is, is to help people gain deeper understanding, once again, to what Jesus was really saying, how he would define discipleship. Because the word Christian isn't even, well, it's used three times in the in the entire Bible, right. and it's not yeah. even used by a Christian to describe themselves. It's not used by Jesus. Yep. It's really kind of more of a political term, and it's used in each case, uh, each of the three cases, like in a negative sense, like those Christians, you know? And yet the word disciple is used 269 times throughout the New Testament, and that's what Jesus is calling people to be. So we, uh, it's essential that we mm-hmm. we know what that word means right. and know how to live out what that word is all about. Yeah. And, and, and when you think about when Jesus was putting together his ministry team yeah. or putting together yeah. his, uh, his uh, <laughs> leadership team and selecting his first disciples, it's important to know what he was actually inviting yeah. um, the followers into. One thing is for sure, his selection process wasn't based on performance, wasn't based on morality. Uh, no one had to earn anything from him or even prove themselves to him. They they didn't have to be the number one fisherman and you know mm-hmm. and all of the and win all the things. But no no one had to earn or or perform. And and that's the heart of the gospel. It's not performance based. It's it's not morality driven. Instead, it's rooted in grace, the grace of, of God. And, and, but what so many of us fail to understand is how to live in that grace, to walk in that grace, to move in that grace, remembering that God is always waiting uh, for us to invite him into every aspect of our life, every nook and cranny, if you will, of our lives so that he can transform the way we think, transform our perspective, our pursuits, transform our passions, um, and our priorities and purpose. And, and when Jesus really calls us to be a disciple, calls us to follow him. We enter in really a new quest um, uh, to discover the depth of his good news, um, the gospel, to discover the depth of grace. And and when we begin to live in really that all new encompassing reality of the kingdom of God, I think our journey becomes exciting. It's a, it's an adventure every single day. And, uh, and, and the journey through the first century is really to help the reader ultimately discover the new way of living that Jesus taught, the way that Jesus really envisioned uh, those who would follow him would would live their life. And surprisingly, it's not the way of living we often see today or in the modern world of what, what Christianity has been kind of developed. We, we aren't called to be Christians. We're invited to be disciples. And that's what I love about this book. It's all about how do we become disciples and how do we become disciple makers? Uh, and that's the way of living that we want all of our readers to discover as they go through this book. And the truth is, too, I, I know the teaching of Jesus, he said, narrow is the way. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
It, it's it's a hard journey. It's a yeah. it's a difficult journey. It's an adventure, um, but it's it's not one everyone will take. Yet Jesus extends his hand to everyone and says, "I'm inviting you in to follow," but there's a cost to it. Uh, but but every ounce, every every step of the way, and every ounce of it is worth it, you know. And so, uh, you know, if, if there was a, a a gap or a crisis in the church, I think maybe the most significant thing the church can pursue is helping close that gap from people who are Christians but not disciples, and helping people to really experience what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples, and in that they're experiencing transformation. Because you know we all need that. You need that. I need that. Yep. You know we all need transformation in our life, and and God is the one who's in the business of doing the transformation. So that's our heartbeat in this whole process, and we hope people will experience that. Love it. Well, I can't wait to dive into more of these principles, these ideas ideas that you guys have in this book, in this incredible podcast series. So this is going to be a weekly podcast series over the next couple of weeks, diving into all the different aspects of the book, getting you uh, excited uh, for this. And if again, if you're a church or you're uh, anywhere where you're looking for a resource for your small group, pick up this book. You can follow our authors on Instagram at steve.sacone and at kent underscore ingle. You can see more updates, more content from this incredible book. You can also make sure to grab your copy from May uh, for of Made For More at KentIngle.com or wherever you get your books. And so we're so excited for this show, excited for where we're going to go with it, and we will see you all next week.